0: where over the years we've done a whole bunch of messages about relationships and the messages we did last week we'll add to that podcast as well. You're welcome to join to listen to that at some stage. And then we also have a podcast about finances, around how God wants us to steward our finances well for His glory. And if you want to tap into one of those, they are on whatever your favorite podcast platform is, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Google or whatever it is, you can just search Shofer Pretoria. And you will find those three podcasts. But I want us to read from Judges chapter 6, and it's one of those cases where it starts a bit with doom and gloom. We read from verse 1 that the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. I guess that's never a good way to start a story. And so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountain, in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away. Cattle and the donkeys, these enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. I don't think that's talking about their intelligence or lack of it, but... They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then Israelites, then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Let's just quickly just pause before the cry out of the Lord. We obviously see here people who are being overwhelmed. A people who are in a place where they are just overwhelmed by the world, the world around them. They're in a situation that they can't find an outlet for. They don't know which way to go. And I guess over the last two years and today, I, more than just speaking to us as individuals, I really sense that God wants to speak to us as a, as a group, as a gathering, as a, as a church. Um, and The world that we're in, I think it's so easy for us to find ourselves overwhelmed by our circumstance, overwhelmed by our career or by a family situation. We're in this place where it just seems it's getting worse. Maybe you are like one of these guys who who go and they plant their crops and you think, this year I'm finally going to reap my harvest. And just as the harvest, then the marauders from Midian come and they just kind of just take it all. It's so easy for us to, in this world, to find and end up in this place where we just don't know which way to turn. I was with some family yesterday and um, talking about my father who recently passed away. And my my brother's son, so my dad's grandson, said, we're going to see, next time we see him, it's going to be in a new world, a better world. And then sort of half joking, my brother said, well, what's wrong with this one?
1: <laughs> what's wrong
0: with this one? And we could have spent so much time talking about what is wrong with this world. You don't have to look too far. You probably just have to go up to your neighbor's door, your literal neighbor door where you live, or the colleague who shares the office space with you, the office next door. Just go knock on their door and just have a five-minute conversation with them. And we're going to realize there are some things wrong in this world. It's Sunday today. I'll probably pick up the Sunday newspaper. I haven't seen a Sunday newspaper in a long time. I assume they still exist. But if you just read the first, play, the first page, you're probably pretty quickly going to realize that there is a bunch of stuff wrong in this world. And I think there are so many people in this world, in our city, in our lives, in our communities, who perhaps feel like these people of Israel overwhelmed by their situation overwhelmed by the brokenness, overwhelmed by their inability to step up, then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Just as an aside, something that I'm trying to learn, I don't want to wait until it's too late before I start crying out to the Lord for help. It's amazing how we often, it's only when we've tried everything in the natural. We've tried our own strength. We've tried our own ability. We've tried figuring it out. We realize we can't, then we call. Just Sort of as a little asterisk aside, something that I'm learning is call on the Lord at the beginning. (laughs) Don't wait for everything to go pear-shaped. But here we see these people eventually, they cry out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. The prophet said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of the slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. There once again, just before we read that last phrase, when, when I read this, when I, I used to kind of read passages like this, and I, I see God's grace and His mercy. Because I think when I read this, what I think God is saying through this prophet to the people of Midian here is, I've done it before. The situation you're in now is not the first situation you've been. The first time you've been in a situation like this, you were in a situation even worse than you one you are now, and you cried out to me, and I set you free. You cried out for me, and I came and I split the Red Sea. I made a way. I liberated you from captivity and from slavery. And I sense for some of us, most of us sitting here, we have seen God's hand in our lives set us free. We have seen Him move over us. We have seen Him heal and restore and make whole. We have seen Him answer praise. Thank you so much for sharing that. Just reminding us, Tian, God answers our prayers. We have stories, we have testimonies. Perhaps those testimonies are 10, 15, 20 years ago, perhaps they're last week, but we've got stories, we've got accounts, and I sense something of the Holy Spirit is wanting to remind us of what He has done for us. And then in this case, God came and He did for them what God would say, what God did for them, what He said He would do for them, and they didn't listen to Him. And now they find themselves back Where they were. I don't think we always necessarily find ourselves where we are. It's also we find ourselves where we are because of our disobedience to God. There is that. Sometimes we also find ourselves where we are because of the brokenness of the world. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations and in circumstances because the world is broken. And it's important that we're not only able to discern between the two but act appropriately that there where it is our case, where it is our fault, as in this case, we can stop and we can repent and say, Jesus, I didn't listen. I don't comply Is only going to go into the theology which says that if we follow Jesus, life is going to be a breeze. Everything is only going to go perfectly. We're never, ever going to get sick. There's always going to be stacks of money in our bank account. Everyone is always going to love us. I don't always see, believe that as accurate theology because Jesus himself said, in this world you will have tribulation. There are going to be struggles and hardships in this world. And sometimes we enter into those hardships through our own doing. And sometimes we enter into those hardships through the brokenness of the world. Either way, I want to sense God is wanting to remind us before we carry on, before anything else, God is wanting to remind us of great things that He has done for us in our lives. But you have not listened to me and then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the son of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And here, once again, we can read this in two ways. We can read Gideon a coward, Gideon a hiding, Gideon somewhere where hopefully the Midianites can't find him. But I also see when I read this, I actually see so much bravery within Gideon because Gideon is doing something which he knows is going to get him in trouble. At the same time, he's doing it in a way which hopefully is a little bit wise. He's doing it in a way which is protecting his family. There is actually so much boldness already within Gideon here. Gideon is actually threshing grain. Gideon is actually providing for the people. Gideon is actually working. He is not just sitting, moping, upset, saying this world is so hard, it's impossible. I'm not even going to try and provide for my family because I know if I do, the Midianites are just going to come and steal it. No, he makes a plan and he finds a way. And in the midst of that, we see the angel of the Lord come and say to him, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. It's a little bit of a a weird passage this morning and I want us to focus on here. But I sense that the Holy Spirit is wanting to remind us firstly of what He has done for us. But I also sense he's, wanting, sense he's wanting to call us to step up a little bit like Gideon. I sense the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to every one of us here this morning, you are a mighty hero. You're a mighty hero, but as we hear that, some of us perhaps are, are default, our mind, we jump back to, but, but God... Are you still with us? As a church, God, are you still with us? God, as a family, are you still with us? God, as a husband or as a wife, as a father, as a son, as a daughter, as a mother, God, are you still with me? God, because if you were with me, why am I in this situation? God, if you were with me, why does it look so bleak? God, if you were with me, why do I feel so overwhelmed? And God this morning is wanting to come encourage us and say, He is with us. He is with us. And I sense what He's wanting to say to us is, He's wanting to invite us to step out into boldness, to step out, out of hiding. The Lord turned to him and He he said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. I really have in my heart that I sense God is wanting to say this over us collectively and over each one of you individually. God is sending you. God is sending you, but some of us, we feel, you know, this last two and a half years, just speaking to people, it's amazing. We don't always realize what we have gone through in these last two years with COVID. How our lives literally have been turned upside down for two years. For everything that seemed to be normal for most of our lives suddenly to stop. And suddenly we can't spend time with family the way we wanted to spend time with family. Some of us went through incredible trauma in that time. Some of us had jobs and careers that just took a totally different direction. Perhaps good, perhaps bad. The last two years for most of us have brought so much change and not all of us have always found ways to process that change and that's okay. Some of us are still wrestling with the reality. I remember speaking to a group of students who, you know, student life, most of us here were students at a university at some stage. There is something beautiful and precious about those three or four years as students. That we get to just experience just life in a different way. We get to enjoy the student life. I was speaking to a number of third year students who basically say, but they've never had a student life. It was robbed, it was taken from them. That something that they'd been looking forward to throughout their teenage years. One day I'm going to be a student and not necessarily the debauched side of student life, but just the freedom, the joy, being able to do things with friends really for the first time away from my parents, that little bit of growing up. and They look back over the three years of university so far and so much of that has been robbed and taken from them. And so most of us, as we look through the last two to two and a half years, there has been so much which in a sense has been taken. Even some of us in our, in our church, in our ministry, the people we were investing into, the way we were discipling people, so much of that has changed. And some of our response has been a little bit like Gideon to go into hiding. The bravery is still there. The willingness to do what is necessary to do is still there, but we've, we've stepped into hiding. And I sense God is wanting to say to us, He is with us. He is with us if we will just step out. We're not going to read the rest of the story, but Gideon goes and he breaks down a temple of, of Baal and smashes it down and he takes his dad's, one of his dad's oxen and he bries the oxen, burns the, the altar of Baal, and uses that as firewood to burn the oxen. There's his big brother and he goes and he burns a whole bunch of bridges, so much so that the town want to kill him. His dad says up and says, why do you need to defend Baal? Can't Baal defend himself? The people's hearts turn, but something happens in Gideon when he is willing for the first time again to step out and to say, something needs to change. Some of this brokenness needs to come back to life. And I sense God is wanting to say that over us that he is sending you. He is sending you. One of the challenges in, in church life that kind of we always wrestle with, we're always trying to find sort of what is the, the healthy rhythm, the healthy balance, the healthy way to conduct this. Because, you know, we can there are so many different models of church, and I'm not trying to knock any church at all. I love roles in different ways and different methods, and I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. I'm so thankful for the different way God speaks and uses different people in different ministries, and in different ways, but at the same time, sort of, we're always wrestling and say, God, what is it that you want us to do? I am totally comfortable with the fact that God would speak to us in a very specific way, with a specific task, a specific mandate, a specific instruction, and the church down the road, in whichever direction, he could give a completely different instruction to. I'm perfectly happy with that. A little bit I have never been in the military. I thank God on one hand for that. I think army, some of you guys were obviously in the military. I think it is every, most, not every, most men's absolute dream to be in the army until you have to go to war. <laughs> Just so many toys and things that you can do and especially sort of in, in that young phase of one's life, but I've, I love military shows and watched a whole bunch of them and read a whole bunch of books about the army and and sort of one thing that you learn about the military is you've got a general who has a whole bunch of different troops and different battalions and different regiments whatever they may be in different battle groups to his disposal and they all fighting hopefully the same war but all in a very different way it is very possible for the general to go to this group To say to this colonel and his troops, I want you guys to focus on this. Go and attack this town in this way and do this. And then to turn around and to say to a different colonel, I want you to go to a different town and fight in a different way. Or not fight. Or go and protect. Or go and clean up there. Or go and build a hospital or whatever it may be. It makes total sense for me that a general who sees the bigger picture would use his different troops to accomplish different tasks at exactly the same time. I'm very comfortable with the idea that Jesus would do that with his church. That Jesus would look at one part of his church and say, this is the task I hold before you, and he would say to another part of the church, this is the task that I hold before you. And he, from where he is sitting, would say, well, when they're doing their task, and they are doing their task, and they are doing their task, which perhaps to them all seem completely contrary to one another. The general is looking at that, and he's seeing the bigger picture. He's seeing where this is balding to. And so one of the things that I am so comfortable with is that God does not expect every church to be the same, to look the same, to do the same, to act the same. We learn from one another. We grow together. We pursue Christ together. But I think at the same time, there's a beauty where Jesus speaks to us. And what I sense, God, is one of the things that we need to wrestle with. One of the things that we need to figure out is what is God saying? I love what God is doing at the church down the road, whichever direction that would mean. But that doesn't mean I must do what God is saying to the church down the road. We must be what God is doing with the church down the road. We must be who God wants us to be be is a church of ministers. I am just so convinced that God wants us as a church to be is a church of ministers. You see, there are so many different ways. And once again, I'm not knocking anybody else. I'm not saying what they are doing is wrong. They need to be obedient to what God is leading them to do. But we get some churches where you have an incredibly gifted person and 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 please hear my heart. I'm not knocking. I'm just wanting to sort of show different ministers, that is 100 perfect, where every time we minister, we call people forward, and there's one or two people laying hands, and there's a time and a place for that. There's something precious and something beautiful about that when we do that, but I, I sense in my heart that God doesn't want us to be that type of church where there's one or two people with great anointings who just, God, who are anointed. That it's not only when we go and we ask the pastor or some special elect group of people to pray for us that God hears, but that when we pray for one another, God hears. And what I sense God is saying is He's wanting to release that again. He's wanting to send us back to everywhere where we feel overwhelmed knowing that He is sending us. And yes, we gather together and yes, we will pray. and Yes, we will lay hands and yes, we will have moments where we trust in God just for an incredible impartation of the Spirit into our lives. But then for us to take that and to run with it. I love the idea. We're not a big group here at all. But I love the idea that every one of you in this week, perhaps this afternoon, tomorrow, You're going to have contact. You're going to be around people who me, in my position as a pastor, have no chance of getting close to. People that would be very hesitant to come to a church or speak to a pastor. They would be very hesitant to reach out to some person of faith. But they will reach out to you and they will speak to you. I love the fact that if we were to embrace that and we were to step out into the highways and the byways of the city, if every one of us were to say, God is sending me, where is he's sending me? Well, he is sending me there where I'm probably going already. If we embrace that, we step out with that, all of us, and we say, God has called me. I love this wording in this New Living Translation as he says to Gideon, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Tomorrow morning as you wake up and you go and even the rest of today, I just sense God wants us to know this in our heart. The Lord is with you. Your business, your career, all of those places you'll step out, the college you're at, the classrooms you're in, the people that you see, the Lord is with you. And as we do that, I, I want you guys to know that I sense God, part of my role and Yaku's role, I believe from Scripture, Ephesians tells us clearly, is to equip you to do work of the ministry. And so hopefully filled with love and grace, we're going to get even more deliberate. I just sense God is wanting us to take the threshing that we've been doing in hiding into Amorites and everybody who wants to come and kill and steal and destroy anymore, but to step out in boldness. And so in love and in grace, we want to encourage you, perhaps even slightly nudge you and push you towards that which God has called you to do. For many of us, that means pushed towards the uncomfortable. Pushed towards places a little bit like Gideon has to be this evening where he's willing to become uncomfortable. And so, perhaps a little warning for us. I think it's time to embrace being uncomfortable. We need to embrace being uncomfortable if we want to go where God wants us to go. We have to be willing to step out from the hiding place because the hiding place is safe and the hiding place is comfortable. The hiding places, you know, the Midianites can't see us. We're not in danger in the hiding place. But at the same time, there's a broken city all around. And as long as we remain in the hiding place, there's not too much healing and restoration, and wholeness. The kingdom of God is not going to advance too much until we begin to step out. I want us to hop forward one more passage. In Matthew chapter 16, two passages we already know, most of us probably know the Gideon story well. But I sense God is wanting to say it to you today. You are, as the the older translations say, a mighty man of valor, a mighty hero. In Matthew 16, we see a very parallel scripture. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples, this is from then on what has just happened. His disciples, specifically Peter, has just realized, Jesus, you are the son of the living God. You're not just a normal person. You are the son of God, Peter, Ah, Jesus. Jesus says, yes, Peter. Well done, Peter. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my Father who is in heaven. This is divine revelation that you have received. And then from that time on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. I love Peter. Peter makes me feel so good about myself. Because this is the type of thing that we would do so easily. I don't know how often you've tried to rebuke for God in your prayers. But from time to time, I find myself doing this. God, this is wrong. God, this must change. God, this is stop. God, no, God, you're not understanding. God, if you really understood the situation, God, you would do it differently. Here's Peter who just a couple of verses before this has said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's not like Peter is confused about who Jesus is. But Peter is confused about who he is. (laughs) Peter still thinks it is right for him to tell God what should and what shouldn't happen. So Peter took Jesus aside and began to reprimand him. And that sentence just absolutely makes no sense when you read it like that. How many of us are going to reprimand Jesus? Except Peter did. And probably some of us have as well. For saying such things, heaven won't have to go through this. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Would have loved to see Peter's face in that moment. You are a dangerous trap to me. What is Satan? What is the lie of the devil that Jesus is rebuking here? The lie that we don't have to become uncomfortable. The life that just being easy and being like the lie that everything is gonna be hunky-dory, okay, sunshine, moonshine and roses, just beautiful all the time. Jesus looks at that and says, No, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Get behind me, Satan. That's a temptation. Look what he says here. You are a dangerous trap to me. I can't get into I can't get caught in the trap of thinking that it's not going to be uncomfortable. And then watch this. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. One of the things that I sense God is wanting to begin to release in us is to begin to see things again from His point of view. In other words, to see them through the eyes of faith, to see the brokenness that we step into, to be able to say, God, show me how you see this brokenness, Lord God. Lord, this career that I'm struggling with. Lord, this marriage that is really just tricky right now. This child, Jesus, that I don't know which way to turn with. God, I want to see this through your eyes, Lord. I don't want to look through the eyes of man. I don't want to look through the eyes of my humanity. Holy Spirit, I want to trust God that I can begin to see this from God's point of view. And when we begin to see from God's point of view, suddenly the uncomfortable takes on a completely different shape. Because the very next verse, look what Jesus says to his disciples. If any of you wants to be my follower, so Jesus has just said, I am going to suffer and I am going to die and the third day be 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 risen again. Third day rise again. Peter rebukes him and says, no, Jesus, that can't be. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And so what Jesus is saying to his disciples here is, it's not only I that I'm going to have to go through this, you're going to have to go through this as well. And then I want to hold this before us in the two specific groups of people. I want to pray for this evening, this morning. Because I believe there are two ways we can read this from Jesus. You see, we read Jesus here saying that if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. And perhaps many of us read this like I used to read it for a very long time. As Jesus, this is hard. We read this as a a negative. We read this as a disincentive to follow Jesus. We read this as a barrier. We, we read this from a place of, oh, really? We read this and our response is a sad heart. We read this and we're like, ah, oh, it's asking a lot, Jesus. Fear, that's what registers in you when you read this this morning. I want us to take a moment and we're going to pray just now for one another. I'm not going to call you forward. I want to ask us to pray, to minister to one another for a couple of reasons. Number one, I believe there's power in it. I believe there's power when we lay hands on one another, as much there in the pews as there is in front here. I think sometimes there's a time and place where God wants us to come forward to pray with one another, but sometimes just right there where we are. And secondly, it's training, it's practice. Because tomorrow you're going to be speaking to someone who needs prayer or Tuesday, or Wednesday, somebody at your child's school, or somebody at work. And here, if we're practicing, if we're learning to hear the Lord's voice, if we're practicing to be able to pray bold prayers in faith, it just makes it so much easier when we step out and we do that. Because some of us, we hear this, and we hear this as a negative. We hear this as, wow, Jesus, all of this stuff that I need to give up. I believe God wants you to pray, to come to know something of His goodness and His grace. You see, if we're reading that and we're reading it's hard, it's difficult, I think there's something about the love of Jesus that we haven't received yet. There's something about the love of Jesus that we are still looking at from the eyes of the human and not from the eyes of God. See, a second way to read this is see, we can read it as a sentence to death or we can read it as an invitation to life. Some of us can read this. If any of you wants to be my follower, I get to follow Jesus. I get to follow Jesus. I cannot wait to follow Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the heaven and earth. He is inviting me to come alongside him, to follow him, to see his kingdom come, to see things advance and There are some things that are invitation to life. We can read this as, yes, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the invitation to come up higher, to receive more. I believe that's how God would have us read passages like this. Passages where we are first rooted in the knowledge of his grace and of his goodness. Where we are so rooted in the fact that Jesus truly, truly loves us. And he says, come and follow me. And we were like, yes, I cannot think of anything better. I cannot think of anything better. I cannot think of something more exciting. I want you for a moment perhaps to think of your field, your area, that thing, whether it's your career or a hobby, that thing which makes your heart tick. You've got that. That area, that space. Now I want you to think of the most prominent person in that space in the world right now. The most well-known, the one that is most revered, that is most excellent, that everybody in that space looks up to. And they walk up to you and say, come and join me. Come alongside, come and join me. You need to, you can't keep on doing that, but come and join me. I wonder how many of us are going to be. Oh, are we going to focus on the invitation to let go of so that we. Or are we going to focus on the, what we need to let go of so that we can join? And I sense God wants us to, to step from that place of fear, the, the place of bondage, the place of not following Him because there's all of the stuff that I need to give up to a place of awe and just, Jesus, I am coming because You are worth it. Because I've tasted something of Your goodness, something of Your love, something of Your grace, and that's what I'm running after. And so what I'd love us for us to do for just the next five minutes or so in groups of just two or three, just take one moment and just share. When you read a passage like this, maybe this specific passage, is your first reaction that Jesus is well, wrong? Be honest with one another. Or is your reaction that this is an invitation to life? Be honest with one another. If you read it as a death sentence, then the rest of us, let's pray for those that they would come to know God's love, that they would be overwhelmed by His goodness, and by His grace. You see, our following Christ always has to start there. Jesus doesn't call any of us to follow Him out of duty and obligation and just from a cold heart because He doesn't do that. He doesn't want you to step into a place of works and doing stuff because Jesus the King has spoken and you must just obey. There's an element of truth to that, but He calls us to a place where the lover of our soul invites us. And so what I want to say to you, if you read that this morning, don't worry so much about what you must give up. Start by asking God, are there something about your love that I'm missing? And I want to grow in that. Morning, who read that as an invitation of your love. And for those of us here this morning who read that as an invitation to life, let's pray for one another for boldness to step into the life that God has prepared for us. For boldness to say, yes, Jesus, mighty man of valor, I'm not hiding anymore. Please, I'm not saying go tomorrow and shout at everyone at your work and tell them to repent and be baptized because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God is going to stir things in our heart for his kingdom, for his house. For Gideon, it was ripping down an altar. I don't know what it is for you. But trust God that you can begin to step into that, not from a place of obligation or duty or guilt, but because you are filled by the love of God and by His grace, because He is inviting you to life, to follow Him, to be with Him, to walk with Him, to live a life that goes beyond anything that the mundane of this world can hold before us. He wants to remind you of what He has done in the past, just like with Gideon. He wants to remind you of the words. He wants to remind you of the promises. He wants to remind you of the answered praise. He wants to stir faith. And then he wants to look over you and say, come, Gideon, step out. Mighty hero. Some of us that see ourselves as mighty heroes, God sees you as a mighty hero because the same Spirit that rose crying all around is in you. And you have a gift to go and give to the world all around He wants you to step into the purpose that you have been created for exactly what the world needs from you. And so I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to ask if we can turn in groups of two or three for a moment and then just say honestly, do you read it as a death sentence or an invitation to life? And then we're going to pray with you. If it's a death sentence, we're not going to worry about the rest for now. We're going to say, Jesus, reveal your love and truth so that when we hear your invitation, We come from a place of wholeness. And if you read it as an invitation to life, for boldness to begin to step out and to say, Jesus, I know your love and I know your grace. And the fears and the things that hold me back, God, give me grace to step beyond that. Can we do that? Amen. Jesus, thank you this morning for your word, which is always alive and life-giving. And it's your word that shapes us, Lord, God, I thank you that it's not just your word that's written, but Holy Spirit, it's your word that stirs, Lord. And this morning as we read this, Lord, we realize these aren't just words and stories that you wrote a couple of thousand years ago, Lord. Lord, these are words and stories that you wrote to speak to us today, Lord. And we want to hear you speaking to us. We want to obey you speaking to us, Lord. We want to receive what you're saying to us, Lord. God, we want to hear the invitation to come out from hiding and to step out into what you have prepared for us, Lord. To come out from being fearful or ashamed, but to step out boldly because the kingdom of God is at hand. And so, Jesus, I just speak over every spirit in this room, everyone who would listen to the audio or watch the video, that Jesus, you are sending them. I speak that over our hearts and over our spirits. Jesus, you are sending them. Lord, you are sending them to places which you have prepared for them. And so I say to them, go with the strength you have. God is sending you. God, I pray for all of us, Lord, that our starting point would always be the knowledge just the overwhelming grace of your love. That place, Lord, where we want to follow you because you are so amazing and so good. Not from a place of fear, Lord God, but a place of inspiration. And Lord, for those of us who aren't there yet, Lord, thank you for grace, Lord, that that's okay. And that you will bring us there as we just open our hearts to say, Jesus, we want to taste more of your love in our lives. Amen. Amen. Can we take a few moments and turn and pray with one another? Then there will be coffee and tea afterwards. Hang around, have some coffee and tea. But let's first pray together in Jesus' name.